Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, man. How are you? Good. What are you doing? I am sitting in my apartment, just kind of relaxing. What are you going to cover right now? Nothing. (laughs) There's nothing to do. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner here with you. It is Tuesday, April 7th, and uh, we should be talking about the national championship from the night before, what Illinois basketball's run in the NCAA tournament was, and really breaking down spring ball as we go ahead. But of course, it is a different world that we live in, a sports world right now. There's some recruiting stuff going on for Illinois, and done a lot of that coverage this week on Illini Inquirer, diving into the transfer portal for some possible names, including one offensive lineman who's heard from Illinois, and he's from a dang good program. Uh, you can get that on our website right now at Illini Inquirer. Also did a big trending meter, including some crystal ball picks for some prospects, including some in-state prospects. I think Illinois has a really good chance to land. But today, I just wanted to have a good conversation and catch up with my guy, Isaac Trotter, yeah, the little bird has flown the nest up to Minnesota, but uh, he did it at a very interesting time, of course. Isaac Trotter is up uh, at the Post Bulletin in Rochester, Minnesota now, and he's covering a lot of high school sports, does some pro sports as well, gets into some college things. But uh, obviously right now he's kind of trapped in his apartment and trapped in his home, as, as many of us are right now as this pandemic runs through our country in a very, very scary time. But I just wanted to catch up with Isaac. Just one, I wanted to talk to him. Hadn't talked to him in a while on the phone. And I I was thinking I had maybe a half-hour conversation. That's not how it goes with Isaac Trotter and I, especially when we start to get into Illinois football. And I hope you enjoy the conversation we had where we get into the nitty-gritty. We go over every part of this team, get into some of our deep cuts that we love to get into. Also chat about Illinois basketball. But I talked to him about his uh, personal um, life right now because obviously he's getting into a new job and he's in unfamiliar territory. And now there are no sports events to cover. So how he's got to, had to get creative about content production up there and uh, what he's doing for his new newspaper there. But also uh, his fiance Maddie, uh, is involved in the healthcare uh, industry. She's uh, works at Mayo Clinic and uh, is gearing up for a possibly really, really rough time uh, up there in Minnesota. So caught up with him about that, um, but it was a fun conversation mostly, sports conversation mostly, and a lot of why and I talk. And uh, we do get into a little bit of Fleck and Patino, just uh, his thoughts as he gets closer uh, to Fleck and Patino, and I guess he's met both of them as well. Um, We'll get into that as well, but had a fun conversation with Isaac Trotter. I know many of you enjoyed his great coverage here, and he's a rising star in this business, and uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's catch up with Isaac Trotter. Here he is. All right, Isaac Trotter up in Rochester, Minnesota. Paint me the scene right now. What are you doing? What are you looking at? What have you been doing? 
I have been sitting in a one-bedroom apartment in Rochester, Minnesota. I miss all the people in Illinois desperately because I know like maybe eight people here, um, which they're great, but I know like eight. My days consist of staying in the apartment as I'm basically locked down. I have a mile and a half trail outside of my apartment complex that not many people use. So I go out there and try to get like three miles of running in every day. And that's literally it. And then I'm basically confined to my laptop. It's, it's so weird because it feels like Monday through Friday, I'm like working on my, you know, on a couch, like sitting with my laptop writing. And then on Friday or on Saturday and Sunday, when I'm supposed to be off, I'm like, well, what do I do now? It's just like, I feel like it's all the same. No sports. So it's just like, I have to get creative and find new things to watch on HBO. Yeah. I think this comes obviously an interesting time for you, Isaac, is, is you just make this move. So what were you able to, I guess, accomplish and, and, and do before, you know, our world's change and shut everything down? Yeah, it was weird because like I came up here and it was, it was just like getting thrown into the fire. Like there was not a big time where they were like, Hey, this, we're going to give you a week or two to get settled in. It was basically like one day of training. And then on Tuesday, the Monday, the Monday I started, I got trained Tuesday go. And so like, I've been like covering a lot of high school stuff. I've gotten to cover some pro stuff. Like when the Vikings do something crazy or when the Timberwolves pulled off that big trade for D'Angelo Russell, I, I got busy with that stuff. Kevin Garnett today has done some crazy things. So I'm going to have to do some stuff about that, but it's, it's been a little bit weird because I just don't know a whole bunch of people up here. And it's, so it's like, it's hard to cover a lot of sports, especially like high school sports in an area where you don't know the people. So I've just been kind of doing a lot of meeting new people, getting my name out there, just trying to write fun stories and, in the two months leading up to this, before everything like went crazy, I got to write some really good stories, got some good feedback. They all, all my bosses like my stuff. So that's been really fun. And honestly, I'm just so grateful to have this job right now mm-hmm. because, you know, with this, with this, when the coronavirus happened, uh, I, I know that there are a lot of people at Illinois who are set to graduate in the spring and it's just thrown the whole job market into a complete tizzy. Yeah. And so to have this right now, I'm very fortunate, but it's, it's definitely been different. And I definitely miss like yeah. Alana Inquirer. I, I feel like I go on there um, almost as much <laughs> as I used to before. It wasn't much of a big change. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a different, different scene up here. Yeah. I want to, I want to get your thoughts on everything Illinois here coming up, but uh, what's like, what have they told you? What have your bosses told you about what your job entails now? Like what you can and, and can't do. Do you ever go back into the office per se? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't go into the office at all anymore. I mean, right now with, with everything that's going on, the whole newsroom is shut down and I, I was rarely in there anyway with sports. Like I just, I just wasn't in there. They, they gave me a lot of a free leash where I was gone, but this is just really a trying time because everybody is struggling for content and you have to be really, really creative and it's hard to be creative when you're getting into a new area and you just don't know a lot of things. Right. And I think that if I was at Illinois and we hit, hit this time, I'd have a lot more story ideas. Cause you know, I've, I've been here for two or three years. I know all of the things that are going on, but now when it's just, you're up here for two months, you're not going into the office. All your communication is over, you know, zoom or phone calls or texts or email that makes it a little bit harder to find stories. But I think that like that challenge is something that's kind of fun for me because I, I want to be challenged. I, I want to do like good things. So right now my bosses have been like very much of like, Hey, whatever you bring to the table, we're going to be completely fine with you doing. 
And if, if it's a good idea, go for it. If it's an idea that maybe we don't love, well, let's go for it anyway and let's see how it works out. And so that, that's been really nice. I feel like every idea I come up with, they never say no. And, and I'm always busy and I have a job. And I know a lot of people don't have that steady employment right now. And that's, that's kind of where I'm fortunate. And so I'm lucky and I'm blessed to have that opportunity. You said it, like you've only been there a couple months. So of course you're developing relationships, but since you, I guess you probably don't have as good of a feel for everything. Like what, what kind of ideas are you trying to come up with? Yeah. So, so basically I want to come up with, um, one thing I did that was fun is this, this area, I didn't know what I was getting into, but this area has outstanding boys basketball here. Like there are a bunch of big 10 recruits. There's a bunch of guys that are going to play division one basketball somewhere. And so the fun thing that we did is we did, I came up with like doing a a draft where you draft your team from this area and like, you kind of come up with it and you can go vote online and who, who got the best team. And, And that's been really fun. So just different ways to involve things. We started a podcast, which I've been in kind of in charge of. We've started doing different ways with multimedia to try to get different ways because, you know, newspapers, you have to be more creative. They, the, the place I'm going to, it wanted to, you know, shift to more online stuff and, and change their online brand. And that's partly why they wanted to hire me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the big job description right there. And so now, I'm just trying to find new fans that are just like, Hey, who's that crazy fan? Cause I feel like every high school has like that one, like super crazy fan, like that just goes over the top. So today I like, I was talking to a guy earlier from a, a local high school and he talked my ear off for like 38 minutes. Like I had like maybe like four questions and he just would talk for like 10 minutes after I asked one single question. So it, it's just like, those are the type of people you want to find. Cause I think, that's, you know, we talk about athletes and, you know, it's really easy to get bogged down in the negativity with this coronavirus and it's scary and I get that, but there's, we have to find some positive news. And I think that finding some, something positive can maybe bring something more enjoyable to a, to a website, to a newspaper, because there's just so much negativity out there right now. There's so many numbers that are, you know, exploding. And if I can find something fun and something exciting that can make people forget about maybe the coronavirus for a little bit, then that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now. Isaac, I want to talk to you about like the, the personal part you you have in this as well, but um, <laughs> what how, how are you dealing with this individually with the world of no sports? It's such a huge sports fan. It's really hard. Like I just, so I went and I got HBO and I started Game of Thrones over again and I finished that and then I'm like, well, what else did I do? So I watched Hard Knocks on HBO about the Oakland Raiders last year that I hadn't watched yet. So I caught up on that and it was weird seeing the whole Antonio Brown saga before it's happening. And I'm explaining to my fiance, Maddie, like, hey, this guy, you know, they're spending so much time videoing him. He ends up not even having a snap for the Raiders. He's like a complete psychopath. And like, there's like these old like throwback games on ESPN or, you know, Twitter still has some fun brackets and stuff. And, but it just doesn't work for me. And so it feels like every day I'm just like trying to find something something to like get my sports fix and it's just not really there it's just not possible so it's it's just it sucks without sports life without sports isn't really all that fun and and I think a lot of people are feeling like the same way I am but this is a time where we just have to be really careful and I try not to over read into things like John Heyman like reports yesterday oh my gosh we have you know this baseball podcast or this baseball could be back by May and you know I'm reading through all of these things I go that 
I don't know how feasible this is, but you know what? It's a shred of hope, so I'm yeah. all in on it. You know what I mean? Like you, you just want sports to come back so quickly, but sometimes that can cloud the fact that, hey, this is a really important, serious time where we, we have to be careful. I agree with you. Like watching old games, it doesn't do it for me. Isaac, like that's that's one of the thrills of sports, right? Is it's live, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's the best unscripted drama you can come up with. So, yeah, I haven't found myself in that. I, I've just been watching other stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I've always complained, like, I don't have enough time to watch any series. Well, I just went through the newsroom. I'm hoping to do Secession, right? Like, I've heard great things about that. I'm like, I just have no time. So, it's kind of a time I'm doing that, but then I find myself just trying to find up with new content. You know me. You and me are the same. Yeah. Like, we're just, yeah. well, hey, what, what's the next idea for content? So, I'm up till 11 o'clock doing that. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like I see some of the stories that you have, and I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a good idea. Like, I totally – like, the Illinois players bracket, that was a great idea. And and I was thinking about something like that. Like, I'm thinking – all of these different ways for content. And we think so similarly, like I started watching the wire, which is really, oh. I really enjoy that and great, great series. But then I still, after like two episodes, I'm like, ah, what do I do now? Like, I just like, I, I need, I need basketball. You know what I mean? Like late at night, like I'd always have like, you know, West coast basketball. I'm watching like UC Irvine play somebody. And I like that. I literally, the other day, they had like Madden Sims for for football, and I hate to admit it, but I did tune in for a second. Like <laughs> Illinois basketball is playing like a national title game against West Virginia for some like thing. Like they had Benjamin Bossman's for Donk, Heavy yeah. and Jones playing big minutes. The broadcasters were messing things up left and right. They were playing like for the NBA Finals on the big board. Like they had so much mistakes. I was still watching just because I feel like I need something. Did like you take some solace in that that they won the national championship of that sim? Because I like that that like twenty four seven sports totally is probably mad at me. I didn't do a story on that, but I I just couldn't do it. I I couldn't like sit there and go, hey Illinois won this national championship. Here's a story about it. Get some clicks. I'm like, ah, right. yeah. I just I, I I'm not into it. It's like it's not happening. It's not real. Um, yeah. Once once uh, a lot of those simulations did like Illinois Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. That was interesting, and but like a video game version of it. I was like, yeah. No, not for me. Do you know? Do you want to know my deep, dark theory about this? Huh. I think Illinois made it to the national title and won because they have an outstanding Twitter following, <laughs> and they knew that if Illinois won, they would blow up and grow their following a little bit more for the future. Sure. What they could do. It's amazing. Like, I, I even said it last night, and somebody said, how, how could you be surprised by things uh, with the Illinois fan base after 10 years of covering them or whatever? And I'm like, the Twitter following is nuts. And I, I, I do think it all started with Cliff Alexander, and people were like on every little piece of information about that. Um, and I think they've gone so nuts with recruiting because they wanted some hope uh, for all those years that they just have a way bigger Twitter following than all these other schools. Like the SEC and ACC, I think, is Facebook-heavy. The Big Ten's more into Twitter, but I, even in the Big Ten, Illinois is just nuts. It's crazy because, like, they just don't have the success that other people have, yeah. and then they just come back and go crazy. Like, Illini Polls is, like, this new, like, Twitter. I don't know if you follow it, but, like, yeah. they came up with, like, some of these new polls things. They literally – Illinois was in some poll to Seton Hall, and Seton Hall was winning – like 68 to 32 or something like that with like two minutes left when Illini Pulse finally saw it and retweeted it. And in two minutes, 150 people voted and brought the score to way closer. Seton Hall ended up winning, but it was like super tight in the polls. Like these people are all in. Now I'll get, I'll tell you what, 
it's good for your brand. It's yeah. good to promote your website. And that's really, really important. But it is kind of crazy how everybody's in on Twitter. I, I think I think Illinois Twitter is crazy. But I also think they're pretty educated, too, because you see like they'll they'll check who you follow recently. They know who the recruits are that maybe coaches are just starting to follow. They're pretty locked in on certain things. And that's not necessarily true with all fan bases. Well, and I know in our numbers, we've uh, seen that in our traffic, we're like top five in Twitter hit links. You know, we're like top 30 when it comes to 24-7 sports of traffic. Like our subscriptions are a little bit higher than that. But when it comes to Twitter, like click links, like we are, we're top five because they're, they're all sitting there on Twitter. And you saw it with the uh, NCAA March Madness bracket. The Arizona game gets wins. And I was like, man, these Illini fans are just like, we want to win something. Right, so they they win in these Twitter polls, and it means so much to them. But hey, kudos to them, man. It it shows you how hungry shows you how hungry they are. Yeah, it is. It is. It's awesome. And I think like yeah, the Illinois Arizona thing is great. And you see, I voted for them too. Like I I totally get that. But like I feel like we're a little bit biased because we've seen that. Mm -hmm. If you look in the big reality, a 16 seed destroying a one seed like UMBC did to Virginia, that's probably a little bit more memorable than Illinois' 15-point comeback against uh, Arizona. But I still voted for Illinois, and Illinois comes back and wins. Like, it, it's just crazy. And, like, you talk about, like, our hits. Do you remember that story I did for you about the new, like, um, the new seating thing for, like, the students above that one area out at Memorial Stadium where they could just sit and drink a beer and watch the football games? Yeah. And that, like, blew up on Twitter. And we were both like, this is literally, like, there was not that much info in here. It wasn't, like, a beautifully written story. It wasn't, like, super long. It blew up because people just want to know. It's, like, it's just insane. Yeah, I, I just remember going, hey, do, do you want to go up there, talk to some people, and see what you can put together? And you're like, yeah, sure. And he came back, and you're like, yeah, it's, it's solid. And we put it up there, and people were totally into it. Um, yeah, I got, got way more traffic than I ever thought it would be. All right, uh, Isaac, before we dive into some Illinois stuff I want to dive into with you, um, how's Maddie doing? For people who don't know, she works at Mayo Clinic, and uh, that's part of the big reason you want to move up there. And it's awesome. You guys get to start your life together. Didn't think it'd start this way, but uh, what's, what's her day-to-day like right now? Yeah, it's, it's insane. She is like, you know, I feel so fortunate to get to be involved with her because she literally like has such a big impact on people, you know, and and I, I'm lucky to have a job that I have where I get to talk about sports and that's great. And I love it. I'm fully fulfilled. Like I I just enjoy my job, but then I look at the broad uh, thing of things and like my partner, this, this woman that I'm going to be marrying, like she is, has like so much more impactful, She's, she impacts the world so much more than I ever possibly will or could. And so like her, her life right now is crazy. Like she is heading into the hospital three or four days a week. You know, they, they work 12 hour shifts. So she'll work from like, you know, either 7am in the morning to 7pm at night. And sometimes she works 7pm to 7am and, you know, they're kind of all gearing up They're They're expecting everything to get crazy here in the middle of April. So right now it's a little bit like the calm before the storm, but they're all prepared. I mean, she has to wear a mask every single day. She comes home with all of these different stories. And it's just, you know, every time I hear these stories, I sometimes I'll give her a hard time just because like, I don't know any of this medical terminology. So she can say like all of these different words. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking, but okay. And, and it's just like, it's just like crazy how much, how much work these people do, how much they know. And I have a greater appreciation for doctors and nurses throughout the world because I see what she's doing every day, you know, like, you know, I come home from work or I go work at a, at a basketball game or a football game and I might be tired when I'm done, but like, I'm fine by the next day. Like 
she will work a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift and it just beats her up because it's such hard work that the next day, maybe she has off, but she might not wake up till 10 o'clock. And then she's kind of needs maybe another nap just to get things rolling. Like it's just, it's just a, a very intensive job where you just have to be on mentally for 12 hours in a row. And honestly, she comes home from work and she doesn't ever put it away because it's still in the back of her mind. Right. Oh, hey, how's my patient doing? Oh, hey, what's going on here? Oh, hey, what's next? Oh, hey, what training do I need to work on? So I know how to, you know, attack the coming day. And it, it's, it's just it's just magnificent the work that these people do. What um what is her normal like specialty at, at Mayo and and how are you said they're gearing up um how has your area been impacted so far? Yeah, so she works in the cardiac ICU. So she hasn't had any patients like specifically that have had it of her own. They've had some on her floor, but none of her own patients have had it yet. Um, but basically right now is they've paused a bunch of these surgeries. They've paused a bunch of these big things that they could absolutely be doing, but they paused it all so that all the nurses are all hands on deck for when this, you know, if, with, if the pandemic really reaches its peak here in a couple of weeks that they can all shift and all be able to take care of it. But, you know, some of the patients she's taking care of are like intubated, like, she might not talk to her patient the whole time, but like, they're so serious that she shows me like pictures of like these, all of these, you know, medicines that they're going into them and how careful she has to be with all of these things. So it's just, it's kind of crazy. Like right now in our area, our County that we've been in, I think there's about a hundred cases right now, which isn't, isn't too bad. Uh, It's one of the higher ones in the area, but it's still overall pretty good. Minnesota hasn't been hit quite as hard as some of the other states. Minnesota's governor has done a pretty good job of locking things down early. They were pretty, they, they were kind of ahead of the curve, kind of like Illinois was with shutting everything down um, earlier rather than later. But th- this area is kind of like on lockdown and we're all just kind of waiting and seeing and hoping that, you know, they say the peak's coming, but hopefully maybe this peak isn't quite as bad as some of the numbers possibly could look like in a couple weeks. With her going to the hospital every day, like what precautions do you guys got to take at home? Yeah, so basically she uh, she takes her scrubs off right when she walks in the door and throws them in the sh- into the washer and gets them cleaned right away. But since she hasn't had any face-to-face contact with it, I haven't been quite as nervous about the potential that I could possibly get it. But since I, since I don't really know a ton of people, since it would probably be tough to like find a different spot, like, and, and all the hotels are shut down. I, I haven't like moved out or like moved to a different spot or had her move out. But if that happens in a couple of weeks or she possibly gets it, I'm probably going to get it. I feel okay. Since I'm like, you know, kind of young and active, like I would be all right, but we're just hoping for the best right now with that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. Um, Give her our best, man. Um, all, all the nurses and all the doctors, all the people in the medical industry, we appreciate you. So uh, give her my best with that. All right, I want to talk some Illini stuff with you, Isaac. Let's talk about the basketball season, uh, the offseason moves that have happened, could happen. Uh, but also, we got to dive into Illinois football because what would a Isaac Trotter, Jeremy Warner conversation be without deep dive in Illinois football? We'll do that next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, Isaac, you would have been, if you didn't take that job, you would have been uh, covering spring football, but that, of course, did not happen. So um, what what are your thoughts? I guess, first of all, i got to get your thoughts on Illinois basketball. I mean, it felt like such an unfulfilling ending. I guess the Iowa game wasn't a bad way to end it, but it felt like we were reading a great book, and I keep using this analogy. It feels like the last two chapters are just empty. Exactly. It was it was so cool to watch maybe from afar because, you know, I'm closer with some of the guys on the team. I've, I've, I've been around this team. I've seen them. I know how they act. And I just knew the hard work that they put in. And just to see it start to come together was really, really fun. I remember that Wisconsin game where I was driving back to Illinois, actually, for something. And I'm listening to that Wisconsin game and listening to the Wisconsin broadcasters broadcast that game and they were just in awe as io you know crosses over brad davidson hits that top of the key three you know and 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 i couldn't help but feel good for those guys and that coaching staff and i thought that this team was built for march and a lot of people agreed with me and i don't think it was inconceivable to think that illinois could have made a deep tournament run do i think they want to win the national title i don't know about that because they just don't have enough three-point shooting but i think they definitely have the defense to carry them a, a long way and and they have Io and they have Kofi, and I would take Io and Kofi against any duo in college basketball. That's a high-level group right there. So it's just I just feel I felt so bad for that crew, and you could see the disappointment in some of the videos. And you know, I, you, you saw Brad Underwood kind of with tears in his eyes at that last practice before the you know the Big Ten tournament, and you just feel so bad because this team really was legit, and this team improved almost as much, if not more, than any team in the country. I mean, I was covering the game against Miami earlier in the year when they looked like absolute crap in the first half and just were playing horrible, down by 25 points. And, you know, I turned to Eric Fisher, who covers Illinois for rivals. I'm like, really? Miami? Like, this is really what's going to happen? Then you see how they play against Missouri, and it's just – just to see the difference in that team from December, late December around Christmas, to what they were in early March was just magnificent. And it was fun to have Illinois basketball back. And, you know, from afar, I, I miss seeing State Farm Center rocking like that. I'm watching on TV, and it was so loud. I see your videos on Twitter, and it's just so loud. And I, a part of me was like, I, I had a little bit of FOMO. Like, I was really missing out on, on just an incredible ride. And if Illinois made that NCAA tournament, I'd, I'd had it in my Sweet 16 or Elite 8 in my bracket because I didn't see a two-seed in college basketball that matched up all that well for Illinois. Like they, Illinois matched up with all of them really well and would have given it a lot of teams problems. So Alan Griffin enters the transfer portal, but we're still waiting on word from Io DeSumo. What do you think of both of those? I think the Alan Griffin one is really weird. I saw some stuff on Instagram, like some personal things that made it even more weird. Um, I didn't, I didn't think that, I didn't think that Alan Griffin was the, the reason Illinois basketball was good this year, but he certainly was a capable piece. And I thought that next year he could have really, I mean, I, I've texted multiple of my buddies during games this year, especially like that Northwestern game when Alan was going off. And I'm like, what is my hot take that Alan Griffin's going to be Illinois second leading scorer next year? Like that could really be the case. Oh yeah. So to see him, to see him transfer is, is weird. And, and I don't really love it just because, you know, I look at Michigan State and I go, that's the program you want to be like. And they're able to get these role players like Aaron Henry when they have a bad freshman or sophomore year. They stay. Gabe Brown doesn't play a ton as a freshman or sophomore. He stays. He's going to turn into a really good player in a few years. Marcus Bingham, he's another big-time uh, high school recruit. Doesn't play a lot as a freshman, but he sticks with it. And, and that's what I want the program to look like for Illinois 
And so to, to invest so much time in Allen for the first two years, and then just to see him walk right when you think he's about to explode, it's kind of frustrating. But I will say, like, if you're going to pick a system for him, mm-hmm. Syracuse is the perfect fit for him. So I get that. You get closer to home. You don't have to play man-to-man defense, which is clearly not something you're good at. You can shoot a lot of threes, and you can play zone with that length. I get it. But I think there were some personal factors here that affected this decision maybe a little bit more than just the basketball fit. Are, are you starting to think that the door is open for an aisle return? Like, I, I thought he was gone, and yet we still haven't heard from him. I thought he was 100% gone, and now it's like, I think I read something the other day where you said you're up to like a four on a scale of one to ten that he might be coming back after like a point five or one <laughs> earlier. I think I'm with you there because it's just like it just feels weird that he wouldn't have even put his name in. Like you're seeing like some guys put their names in that have, you know, they're not even close to the type of tier that Io is. I mean, I, I think like Franz Wagner, like he Marcus put his name Carr. in. And, yeah, exactly. Like just not not even close to the type of player that Io is, but. I still would say, like, gun to my head, yeah, he's going pro. But this whole thing is making things weird. And I read in St. Louis today, like, I know that they don't really cover Illinois as in-depth as other people, but they had an interview with Brad. And I thought a line that was really interesting that was in that was, you know, Ayodesumu and Kofi Coburn are both expected to return because they're both not top five, you know, top first-round draft picks. So that was kind of weird to read that in STL today. And, and I don't know if that's – you know, I don't know if that's like legit or if that's just a writer who, you know, it maybe is, you know, speaking through maybe Brad tells him that, but he doesn't want to use it as a real right. quote. Like, so it's interesting. I, I, I think the door for IO coming back is really, really interesting because you look at the team next year, that's a legitimate team. And I'm not buying the whole thing that if IO comes back, that Adam Miller won't come to Illinois. I just think that that's kind of BS. Like, I just I just don't. The numbers make sense for the scholarship-wise, and I think those guys could make it work for a year. And Adam Miller's a good enough player to realize how much better he could be with IO, not just without him. Well, when you look at it, I mean, Alan Griffin gone. Boy, that, that opens up that role. That that bench role, I think, would be great for him where he, where he could be that shooter. But, yeah, as this goes along more and more, you and I know, I mean, Io and, and his family are, are very um, – they're very aware of the process. They, they, the the optics they know about. They, they really spend a lot of time thinking about this. They're they just very detailed about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and I, I think the uncertainty of this and the fact that Io as good as he was this year, the one big question he has is, is shooting threes, and he didn't shoot threes well this year. So even though I thought he was a way better player, and I'd invest a second round draft pick in him the uncertainty of all this could, could really open the door for a return that uh, I think Illinois would be very fortunate to get him for another year. And uh, I yeah. think they'd be one of the top teams in the big 10. Yeah. If he comes back, this team is, is you, you could probably mark them down as one of the big 10 favorites right up there with Iowa. Um, but it's weird how I look at this because I think the biggest thing that might affect him is the fact that he doesn't get those draft meetings because if you talk to Ayodusumu, he is so there's just something about him that draws you to him. And that's like, I'm that's as a media guy, you just look at him and he's so honest. He's just straightforward. And if I'm an NBA guy and that guy walked into my building and he's, and we turned on the tape and we saw the things that he did in transition. And we saw how much better of a mid range jumper he, he got after that was a big weakness for him as a freshman. Like it would be really hard for me not to want to pick him because of how, how just how good he is in person. And you can be, 
you can sell yourself over the phone or over FaceTime, but it's just not the same when you're seeing someone eye to eye in person. So I think that might be the biggest loss for his draft stock. And honestly, not playing in March, I think is a huge thing because that dude is like, if he makes four or five big shots in March, again, like in the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten tournament, that can elevate your stock so much. We saw it with Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova. That guy goes from being a sixth man on Villanova playing whatever 21 minutes a game all year has a couple huge games in the NCAA tournament and goes to the bucks and turns himself into a really solid off the bench player. So mm-hmm. it just, it's all of these things are all of these factors are coming in and you're right. The Dusumus are really smart and they're going to get the best type of advice. But if I'm an NBA guy, I totally draft him in the second round because if he comes back to school and he hit the masters that three point shot, just like he did the mid range jumper, he's going to turn into a really high pick and a lot of teams are going to be kicking themselves that they're going to have to, you know, trade draft capital to try to go up and get him rather than they could have just spent a, you know, a mid range second rounder on a guy that could be, and I think would be a guy that's in your rotation sooner rather than later. That said, uh, I mean, I don't know how much upside is for him in returning other than, you know, just establishing that he's definitely a draft pick because he's not definitely a draft pick now. I mean, ESPN has him outside the top 60 draft picks. Uh, Jeremy Wu had him 55. Even Sam Vicente, who's high on him, has him, I think, below 45 now. Um, Yeah, 48. So so I don't know if if he rises to a... A, a top 20 pick next year with a good year, but he could just establish himself as a draft pick, right? Like, and uh, that's, that's obviously very important because there's no guarantee uh, of a contract. Of, there's no guarantee in the second round, but a lot of those guys are getting guarantees. So it's just going to be a, a fascinating process. And, and the longer this goes without him even entering his name, the more likely it is because we're what three weeks away from the deadline here where he's got to enter his name. Yeah. No, and and that's the thing. Like, a part of me wonders too. Like, I I totally wrote it off after that Michigan State possible fall there. Like, I could not. There was no good conscience for me to like campaign for Io to come back after that Michigan State game where he nearly hurt himself really badly. Because you're talking about like a lifetime of you know financial wealth, your parents taking care of your parents for a long time, and I thought that he wouldn't want to risk that injury. But now. If, if, if you really don't think you're going to get drafted and you come back to Illinois just because, hey, this is a really good team, I want to make a run, and if I go to the NCAA tournament, I can really solidify myself with certain teams, then I totally get that too. And the thing is, is like, I, I, I love Io. I, I love what he's done for Illinois. But personally, I don't think he would need to come back to cement his legacy anymore. He already has no. done that for me personally. Just like with what, he done, what, with, with what he's done, with how he's elevated this team, but if he de- decides that he wants that one more piece and that's an NCAA tournament run, it's there for him. And that team next year, if you started a, a starting lineup next year of Io with Trent, Andre Curbelo, say you play, you know, Kofi at the, at the five and then at, at the mix up at the four, you're going to have Grandis in there. Maybe you go small and play DeMonte. There's just like a lot of different ways that they can do things. And regardless, You'd have two of the top 10 players in the Big Ten next year, Io and Kofi, and you'd have a supporting cast that's absolutely loaded, and that's a team that could be yeah. a Big Ten champion, a team that could be a top three seed in the NCAA tournament, and the best team Illinois has seen since probably 05. It'd be interesting. Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin is the favorites heading into next season if that happened, most likely. All right, let's, uh, let's get to football here. And uh, I was looking forward to spring football. I know you love your spring football, even though we don't get to see a lot. Uh, we get to see a little bit. We get to know this team a little bit. And I think spring football is the best time for our deep cuts, 
right, Isaac? Like you know, yeah. like a lot of the starters would have been hurt, wide receivers. Um, you know, Epstein would have been out. Hanson would have been out. A lot of these guys nursing injuries. Uh, but what would you have most looked forward to if we actually had a spring football? This is so nerdy, but I really would have loved to see what's going to happen with the defensive line because I have no idea who's going to be in the mix there. That That's kind of what my biggest thing that I would have looked for. Um, a couple other things that I would have liked. I want to see these transfers. I want to see what it would have looked like to see Derek Smith and if he really was playing safety and what he would have added. I'd like to see Chase Brown get a lot of the reps at running back because you and me are both high on him, and I think he's going to be your starter if Epstein has any health issues. Obviously, if Epstein's healthy, he's RB1, but Chase Brown is a, has a lot of Mike Epstein traits too. So I, I, I would have liked to see that. Um, I would have liked to see some of – what Isaiah Williams, Shaman Cooper, Moses Okpala, those guys in that class of 2019 that we really liked, we didn't see much from them as freshmen. But this spring ball could have been an opportunity for them to get a lot of reps and see what the future is could be because, you know, I'm high on what the team could do in 2020, but 2021 looks really uncertain. But a part of the reason why it's so uncertain is because just we haven't seen it from guys who, you know, Lovey Smith would tell you that, hey, he thinks Keith Randolph's going to be really good in 2021. Well, I haven't seen it. He thinks Shimon Cooper's going to be really good in 2021. I, I haven't seen that. So that's why that's where spring ball could have been really fun for us to see maybe the future and what this squad could have looked like after, in, you know, in the couple years following 2020. Yeah, I think one thing, you know, we talk with our guy Austin Berkland, who's concerned, as I would be too, about Illinois' defense not getting as many takeaways, touchdowns. That's going to happen. I mean, that, that's going to decline because their numbers were ridiculous. I, I still think they'll be one of the top teams uh, in takeaways uh, this year because that's what Lovey Smith's teams do. But I, I think that also doesn't account for improvement in the offense. Um, Brandon Peters is back. Yes, you, you lose Dre Brown and you lose Reggie Corbin, but. To be honest with you, Mike Epstein and Chase Brown might be more talented than those guys. Epstein, I think, would have been their number one back last year. Uh, Smalling, Sydney, Imator, Bebe, hopefully they're healthy, but that's a good wide receiver trio. Luke Ford and Daniel Barker at tight end. That's as good of a tight end pair as you've had in almost 10 years. Your offensive line returns four starters, um, three of them who I think could play in the NFL. Um, so I... I think it's a huge year. I think the story is Rod Smith and, and what he can do with really good talent. Yeah, I think they could use another speed threat. They they really don't have that. Maybe Cumbie, maybe James Frenchie can be that. But this is a huge year for Rod Smith to prove what he has because he's got enough talent. Absolutely. There is no reason why Illinois can't be a top half of the Big Ten offense just because you have veterans everywhere. And every single year when you look at around college football. It's the old teams that win. It's the teams that the most experienced that, that win. That's just how it is. Freshmen in college football do not make the same big impact like they do with college basketball. It's just, it's just not the case. And Illinois finally has the age. And when Lovey Smith came here, he was building up for this year because he has all of these guys that he's been playing for a long time. Kalczewski, 36 career starts or 37, however many he has. Kendrick Green has started for multiple years. Doug Kramer has over 30 starts. Vidarian Lowe, over 35 starts. Like, those are guys, like, you have the most experienced offensive line in the country, maybe. I mean, when, when, they, when that number comes out, they're going to be probably, what, top three or top five in the country in an offensive line experience. And if Rod Smith can get this offense to really explode and erupt like I think it can, we saw flashes of it. We saw little flashes against Michigan State where they would put it together. But, but far too often, 
Illinois would get bottled down for like two or three drives in a row. I want them to be more consistent this year. I want them to be more explosive and not just score off those takeaways. There needs to be some times where your offense goes and wins you the game, and that didn't happen as much last year. It felt more like the defense gives you a chance with all of these takeaways, all of these points, and the offense let them down too many times, and there's no excuse anymore because you have everything it takes to be a competent and dangerous Big Ten offense. I think this is a... You know, it's a zone scheme, but this is a big physical offense. When, when you think about the offensive line, I think adding Luke Ford is going to be huge for the run game, and he can catch passes, so you kind of keep you off balance. They've kind of had to rotate Barker, who really can't block all that well, with guys who really can't catch that well. Um, Smalling and Amator Bebe, big physical guys. I think Washington will be that this year. Um, Sydney's kind of the, the X factor. We'll see how he does, but it's, it's that speed threat. Do, do they have that speed threat? And that's why I thought, you know, Mookie Cooper, AJ Henning, those guys are so important because it's, it's the one piece that I think can really set this offense off. Exactly. And I think, I think Ricky can give you that too. We saw Bebe also can give you that deep threat that can take the top off the defense a little bit. But when everything started to shift to Bebe, it was really hard for Caleb Reams to step up. Trenard Davis has taken snaps. Casey Washington was a good for a freshman, but he's still so thin and he wasn't strong enough. Those are those guys, though. I think Ricky is a huge piece. Another thing, and this is such a you and me nerding out thing, yeah. but downfield blocking by your wide receivers, when you have Bebe and Smalling on the field, they're both really good at that. And then when you have Ford on there as well, I agree. I think the run game takes a big step forward. And I also think your pass protection takes a big step forward when Luke's on the field. The And Epstein, because Epstein and Ford are both good pass blockers yeah. as well. And Reggie Corbin has a lot of strengths, but pass blocking wasn't his. Daniel Barker has a lot of strengths. Pass blocking wasn't his either. And that's why Brandon Peters was under duress a lot last year. Yeah, and you had Barker to that mix of guys who are physical on the uh, – you know, DBs, that's a handful. Uh, those are big dudes out there catching passes. I, I do agree. The D-line, I have no idea what this is going to look like. Now, they do have a bunch of guys. Right? There's a lot yeah. of guys, and the, the freshmen, I think, are really talented. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Johnny Newton, a huge fan of Cooper Davis, but those guys aren't going to make an impact. So Isaiah Gay, they're really high on this year. You and I know that uh, he hasn't put it together, but he seems to be taking the strides and ended the season well. But Christian Bell is the one grad transfer they have so far. I mean, Calvin Avery's such a big story because I think we know when Jamal Woods is on the field on the interior, he can be disruptive. It's just he hasn't stayed healthy. Anthony Shipton, you hope, can give you a time year Oliver kind of player. Deion Pate's kind of blue-collar, Kenyon Jackson only bigger, right? You need a, mm-hmm. a, a, a big dude who can take up space and create disruption like Jamal Milan. And Calvin Avery certainly has the talent, but he's got to put it all together. I know they're kind of cautiously optimistic about him, but I think um, this is this is a danger for him. Like what's happening right now, right? Because when he goes home, that's usually when uh, the weight gets added on. So if, if Calvin Avery can stay disciplined, if he can bring a professional demeanor, I think he can be that. But we just haven't seen it to this point. Exactly, and they need they need depth there because Calvin Avery has asthma, and that's been very obvious that his conditioning isn't great so he's not going to be a three down defensive tackle it's going to just play all the time you've got to rotate him in and out because when he's fresh and he's really active and he doesn't put his hands to the face he is dangerous and he can do some things and we saw him just chuck some offensive linemen during one-on-ones in, in training camp so we know what he can do can he put it together that's the big thing and listen 
if you, if I'm Illinois and I'm this Illinois coaching staff, I'm going right to Calvin. I'm saying, hey, man, there, this is your opportunity. Either you compete right now and you show us that you're going to be a piece for the next couple of years, or we're going to go and we're going to recruit a defensive tackle, a, a grad transfer defensive tackle for next year because we can't count on you. This is his opportunity. If you want to make it to the NFL, like he told me when he committed to Illinois, he said, I'm coming to Illinois because I think I can get to the NFL quickest under Lovey Smith and with this early playing time. If you want to do that, and that was really your goal all along, then this is your opportunity to do that, and this is your chance. And if you mess up, there's going to be other guys knocking down the door because Moses Opala moved the defensive tackle for a reason because they don't trust all the talent that they have there. And Opala, it can be a freak when he gets healthy. Maybe he's that guy. There are going to be options. Deion Pate's had his moments where he can step up. Jamal Woods is, is obviously a veteran. This thing is all set up for Calvin Avery to be the star, but if yeah. he doesn't take advantage of that, Lovey Smith will not be afraid to move on and give other guys opportunities. We've seen it time and time again where guys who don't step up, don't take advantage of their opportunities, they get set aside really, really quickly. Yeah, and third year is usually a breakout year for linemen, so th- this is the year. This is the opportunity. You can be the Big Ten starter if you want. I, I just think he's such a huge X factor for them. Um, linebacker, I feel pretty confident in. Um, Jake Hansen, I think he's going to move to middle linebacker. That's the plan. Milo Eifler on the outside, and then just have the competition. I was looking forward to seeing Derek Smith, but I guess he's going to move to safety. Uh, Kalen Tolson, LeVar Gardner when he gets here, and I wouldn't rule out Tariq Barnes uh, possibly getting into that rotation. Um, and maybe if he if he's good enough at middle linebacker, they can keep Hansen on uh, on the outside. You know, Shaman Cooper, I think, is going to be a really good linebacker. I just don't think he's got the strength quite yet. He's a strong kid for his size, but they want him to add a little bit more size. Um, so I, I like the depth they have there. I'm not, even though Dele Harding was so good, that position doesn't concern me at all. Right. I, I, I think Dele Harding was really good. I liked what he did, but I think you saw with some of his numbers with his pro day, especially his speed, what he run, like a force. Six four forty uh, four seven four, four eight. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. It it wasn't great, and so I think that Dele is a really good tackler, really great in run support. But Jake Hansen can give you that, and then you can get maybe more athleticism on the outside, and maybe your pass coverage is a little bit better. There was way too many times, especially in their cover too, where Dele would sneak up on the run a little bit too often. And there were wide open holes down the middle of the seam because that's where Daly was supposed to sink. And he just he just wasn't wasn't fast enough, wasn't athletic enough to get that taken care of. So I think that Daly Harding is while he was a great player, he's not a huge loss because I think schematically they can do better and they can add more athleticism. I like your boy Tariq Barnes. Like he is he is fast, he is strong. I like what Kalen Tolson gave you at times. Yeah, he made mistakes like everybody would do in your first couple starts at a, at a Big Ten level, but he. He really wraps people up well, and when he puts his arms on you, you aren't moving, right? You never saw him really miss a tackle. And so you have opportunities there. LeVar Gardner could be another one in the mix there as well. Like, they just have so many dudes Delano that Ware. you have. Delano yeah, exactly, Ware, no. right? Yeah. Like, they just have so many options that it's, they're going to figure it out eventually, and competition is always a really good thing. I, I am really high on the secondary. Uh, I don't have to Me say too. I don't have to say anything about Nate Hobbs. <laughs> I've already said it. Uh, Tony Adams uh, was really good when he was healthy. Health is the issue with him, but man, I couldn't have asked for more from Devin Witherspoon and and now Marquez Beeson. He had it cornered. Love that group. Then Sidney Brown returns for another year. He had an up and down year, but he did make big plays. Uh, but now he's a junior. He's an upperclassman. Yeah, Derek Smith to the back, along with Quan Martin. Maybe Delano Ware moves back there. So the other safety position is a, is a little bit of a concern, but 
They can always move Adams back there if they need to. Ware can move back there. I just think for once you have depth in your secondary. It's fun to have athletes too because they got some high major athletes back there. They're going to be able to run with everybody. And, you know, I, 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 it's so funny because heading into last year, Quan Martin was like the second cornerback we talked mm-hmm. about behind Nate Hobbs. And now he's like your fifth. And so I, I don't think Quan had a good sophomore year, but I wouldn't give up on him quite yet because you can get better as a junior. We've seen guys like Stanley Green. We might write him off, but then he turns out and becomes a pretty solid player for you as a senior. So I think that as a junior, Quan Martin could absolutely play his way back into the rotation because he could move back to safety as well. That was his position in high school where they really liked him at. So, yeah, I think you have Sidney Brown's pretty much a lock. I have a really hard time seeing how they'll keep Marquez Beeson off the field. He's just he's just so good. He's so athletic. He was their best corner in training camp last year. So if you move it where you have Nate Hobbs playing corner and you move Marquez to corner and then you move Tony Adams back to safety with Sidney Brown, that's really solid. And then you can just get creative there because when you go to five or six defensive back sets, that's where you have all of this depth to come in. And then you have an injury. It's not an end-of-the-world situation just because of the depth you've accrued. Like We've talked about this secondary for like two years on how much we like it. We haven't really seen it fully come together yet. There were moments you see the glimpses of the things that they can do. I, I think now is the time where – this secondary really could be a breakout breakout year for them. And I think Beeson and Hobbs are going to be right in the middle of it. I think Sidney Brown's going to be really good. And Tony Adams just does everything you want for him. And like, you just get everything you want. And then you have a lot of X factors there. Like, hey, what if Derek Smith comes in and he's a better Stanley Green and he gives you exactly what you need, some physicality in the back end, and he's like Milo and he's just going to go blow people up. That guy's going to play. And that, that's cool to have so many options and you can have competition. You can find out who sucks and find out who's good and go from there. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like you know, some of the young guys you really get to see in spring. Isaiah Williams obviously is one of those, uh, along with the other quarterbacks. You know, Matt Robinson. How much does he improve? Karan Taylor. You know, a lot of people are writing him off, like he'd be somewhere else now. And he's been a program guy, and I still think he's got some intriguing ceiling to him. Uh, Kyron Cumbie is one I'm really interested in. Dale Von Campbell's got size, but uh, he's probably wouldn't have played this spring. He had an injury. Yeah. Edwin Carter had the injury, so not sure. I mean, the offensive line, and, and I, I always tend towards, you know me, the offensive and defensive lines where I watch a lot in the spring and, and in the training camp. I have no idea of these sophomores and freshmen who's ready to play or if any of them are ready to play, right? I mean, they are yeah. going hard after some graduate transfer offensive linemen, and that tells me, one, they don't think Jake Cerny's quite starter caliber. Maybe he can be a swing guy and, and, and be a rotation guy. But that also says they they aren't completely confident in Virtus Brown, Julian Pearl, and, and Jordan Slaughter. I mean, all those guys had the talent, I think. But, uh, I mean, it's a huge year. It's it's third year for those guys. And then you look at some of the redshirt freshmen, Evan Kurtz and Josh Poor, at least a year away. Um, and then you would have had Blaze Sparks and Pfeiffer Griffin on campus. So, I mean, long term, that's that's the biggest concern for me is, is the development of those those younger guys but uh, Bob McLean is is going hard in the, in, in the recruiting I mean we talk about wide nets uh, he he does have a wide net and is going after guys I think are very very landable who do you have more confidence in like turning into a big 10 starter Jordan Slaughter Julian Pearl or Virtus Brown I would rank them if if we're saying floor because I think that's kind of the question you're asking yeah I think the highest floor is Jordan Slaughter um, the highest ceiling is Virtus Brown. 
Julian Pearl has the lowest floor, but I think he's got a higher ceiling maybe than Jordan Slaughter. But Slaughter, I think you've seen him. He's just he hasn't stayed all that healthy, but he's got size. He can move. He seems to do what the coaches want him to do. Uh, Virtus is just still kind of raw, and he's got great talent. I think he could be the center or guard next year, starting guard. But I was hoping he'd be ready now. I mean, redshirt sophomore year, that's that's not ridiculous, even, even though he changed positions. I know he's changed positions, but a guy like Kendrick Green just took off right away, right, from that change and was starting after a month of his first practice on the O-line. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I would say Virtus 1, Jordan 2, Pearl 3. And I like Pearl. Like, there were times where you saw some little, like, ooh, plays from Pearl. So there's different things there. But it just feels like it feels like those guys – have not necessarily rested in their laurels, but like when you when you have Palcho in front of you, when you have Vidarian Lowe in front of you, and you have Kendrick Green in front of you, Doug Kramer, it can be easy to like kind of get discouraged and realize, hey, I'm just not going to play. That's that's gone next year. Like I personally think Kendrick Green's going to go for the NFL draft after this year. He is probably like he has a lot of NFL traits that a lot of people love. I think he should be on the freaks list here soon from, from Bruce Feldman when he does that. Like, I think this is a breakout year for, for Green where he p- really puts himself on the NFL radar. Mm-hmm. So Illinois could be in a situation where they're like replacing four starters next year, and if they get a grad transfer who starts this five. year like Richie Pettibon, they could have five. Like, so all of these sophomores have to realize, like, hey, these dudes are going to be gone next year. Like, we need to step up. We need to be there right away because – they don't have the depth. Like, I like Kevin Tyler. He's multiple years away. Blaze Sparks and Pfeiffer Griffin, multiple years away. I think Josh Poor and Evan Kurtz are multiple years away from being difference makers. And if that's the case where you lose all five of your starters heading into 2021, then it's kind of like sink or swim, throw you to the dogs. Like, let's go. Yeah, I don't know if Pfeiffer Griffin, Kevin Tyler, and Blaze Sparks are multiple years away. I don't know if they can <laughs> can afford that. Right. They might be playing a lot as redshirt freshmen, but I agree. Um, and they were looking forward to the competition between Slaughter, Brown, and Pearl that, hey, it was time for one of you guys to, to step up, and I think that's part of why they want to add a graduate transfer there as well. Any other deep cuts hey, you want to get into? Oh, I was going to say, but listen, if you listen to Illinois Twitter, Moses Opala could just move to offensive line whenever he wants, so everything's fixed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's different. It's different than playing D. He's got he's obviously got the measurements. I mean Moses has almost as high of a ceiling as anybody. Um, it's just when you watch him, Isaac, you've seen him. Like you watch Keith Randolph, even though he hasn't played a lot of football, he's a natural football player, right? Like Seth Coleman moves like a football player. Moses is kind of still like the the young deer. He's still learning how to walk a little bit. And he, mm-hmm. even though he's a good his athlete, legs are too long for his body. Yeah, yeah, he's just trying to figure out how to use all of it. Um, but he's a great kid uh, and a hell of an athlete for for a guy as big as he is. So the ceiling's really high. I just think he's a year away. He reminds me a lot of Wale, like how they act, how they like Batiku, like mm-hmm. how they act, how they move around. They were really good friends right away, which I thought was no surprise. Like those two getting along makes a lot of sense. Both Nigerian background, I, yep. I believe. So like that, that's kind of cool. I think that like, like you, we talk about the, the line play. I'm, re- I love the secondary, but I'm really excited for when they have Seth Coleman, Keith Randolph and Moses Okpala as your three of your four starting defensive linemen, because those three dudes are all dudes. 
And if Moses Okpala can just be like, just understand where to go, what to do, how to think things, he's just a monster. I mean, he's like six foot seven. Like, think about trying to throw over him as a quarterback. Think of your Tanner Morgan and you line up and you're about six foot two. You squeeze your butt together. You're about six foot two and a half in the mornings. And you have to try to throw over a six foot seven Okpala who can jump out of the gym and is one of the best dunkers on the team, and he's flying through the middle of the de- of the interior of the defensive line. Like that's that's terrifying, and I cannot wait for him to get it rolling because if he gets it rolling, that defensive line could go from good to really good with those three. Austin Clark did a phenomenal job recruiting. Yeah, um, yeah. you know he was only here two years, and listen, replacing Mike Fair as a coach is very very difficult. Uh, but uh, what he did in recruiting is, I, I think, in a couple of years, Illinois' defensive line, I agree with you. I think it can be fierce. Um, Akpala, Newton, I'm a huge fan of Newton. I think Riggins is a solid guy. McCoy is a solid guy. Coleman, Randolph, Davis all have huge ceilings. That's a lot of talent for the new uh, coaches, Jimmy Lindsey and, and Al Davis, to work with. So, yeah, in a, in a few years, as, as much as I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen with the offensive line, I'm like, dang, that defensive line can be pretty good. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, have you ever seen an assistant come in from a whole different area? He doesn't know this area at all, but he comes in from California and in two years as a young guy brings in this much talent. Like, I haven't seen that in a long time. Like, Corey, like, obviously is an easy example, but he had all those connections already. It felt like Austin came in, made connections, and landed all these dudes in two years, and that's, that's really impressive. I don't remember seeing a guy like that in a while. Well, without Austin Clark, you probably lose at UConn because Batiku isn't here, right? Without Austin Clark, yep. you probably lose two more Big Ten games because Joshi Bebe is not here, right? Right. <laughs> and, don't beat Wisconsin or Michigan State. Right. And you don't have, you know, two really good wide receivers next year in, uh, in Bebe and Sydney, and you don't have a, a defensive line room full of really high-ceiling NFL trait underclassmen right seven freshmen defensive linemen coming in this year and yeah he was he was a heck of a recruiter and you and i have interacted with him austin's a good guy and i get i get why it translates but he was a great hire even though it only lasted two years yeah who is your favorite new assistant that's gotten hired i mean al davis has great personality um you can see why you know lovey smith liked him i think he's really bright Uh, jimmy Lindsay's kind of I think he was a good hire because he's such a veteran assistant at the FBS level, and I do think he's going to help in recruiting. Um, I think they're set up for success in the Southeast of keep getting guys like, you know, Johnny Newton and you know Cooper Davis. I think they've done well there. Um, it's just St. Louis. I, I don't know how how talented it is this cycle. How many guys Illinois can get from there this year, but. I mean, I, I always hate coming back to this in-state thing, but they just got to do better there. And uh, I think I'd still hire somebody from in-state because Kinoto's going to get kids out of Florida. I think all these new assistants are going to get guys out of the southeast, which is very important. Texas, they still have ties, but maybe not as strong a ties as they hope for. St. Louis, they've done well, but in-state, it's just you wish you'd get a couple of these kids. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating when you see out-of-state teams like Iowa comes to Illinois and gets a lot. Minnesota comes to Illinois and gets a lot. Wisconsin comes and gets their guys. Notre Dame, obviously, is going to come get their guys from the suburbs. And then Northwestern, it just feels like they're raiding it. And I was, like, as I stepped away maybe a little bit from the program, like, and I kept thinking about everything, it's just like, it's so it's so weird to me how Lovey Smith's name didn't translate as well as we thought it might. 
in in state. It did like, his I, first I just, year. Just, it did his first year, right? I mean, think of the starting offensive line, right? That's all in state right. guys. But yeah, it just didn't after that. And Ricky, like yeah. Ricky was a huge thing for him too. Like, but it's just it's just like I don't understand. Like, what changed? Where people maybe maybe like all the guys who are getting recruited now are like okay lovey smith my dad knows about him like oh all of these different things but i never watched it maybe that was like the final year like that class of 20 what would that be the class of 2017 Mm -hmm. god man blake hayes is gonna be a senior that is crazy (laughs) yeah we didn't even talk about the specialists is uh is james mccourt gonna get pushed by caleb griffin james mccourt was not illinois best kicker last year and i will die on that hill (laughs) that 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 we saw Right during camp, I no, mean, he wasn't. spring ball. I mean, Griffin was far and away better. But it McCourt during the season, though, McCourt. I mean, the bowl game, McCourt was good too. Uh, I know he yeah. missed. He had a, he had a one. He didn't make the short kicks. Like I think they need the short guy and the long guy. <laughs> like they Maybe need a, that's what it is. Yeah, but like and that, but that intermediate one, he made the one biggest kick of the year. Yeah. And so uh, once he made that kick against Wisconsin, like it was basically over. Like, you know, he was going to be the guy, but if you look at the numbers, he was not very good after that kick, after that kick went in, he was not good at all. And I don't have the numbers memorized anymore, but I used to have it and it was not a great percentage. And I still think Caleb Griffin is, should be the starter. And I would be shocked if he doesn't win the job. eventually. Ooh, yes. That's a deep cut, hot take right there. There well, we go. Well I got to root for the Daniel boy. Yeah, no, it's I, a- I've known Caleb since I was like, I've known him since I was like 12. You guys went to a sports reporting camp together, right? We we did. We had a we had a back and forth battle on who was the best athlete there, and he beat me. I was sad. You guys bonded ever since. Yeah, we really did. I really got along with the special as well because Ethan Tabell was kind of my guy, and then yep. Caleb, obviously, I knew for a while. And Blake Hayes is just a great dude in general. So I just have I, that's that's the only reason why I want Caleb to win the job. Uh, but I, will, I do really genuinely think he's better. Yeah, I will say this. Um, I think Illinois has got a decent chance at marquee serving the four-star running back in state, Travion Ford, four-star defensive end, supposed to take an official visit here uh, during the summer. Now we'll see if that happens. Uh, and I do think they've set themselves up well for some in-state offensive linemen. So I give Bob McClain a lot of credit there. Uh, I don't know how great of a recruiter he is, but he's he gets after it in the recruiting trail, and he has a wide net, which after the year they had in 2019 with offensive linemen, I think uh, is, is a welcome sight. Um it's yes. just you. Most Illini fans, and I agree with them, wish they were in on more top battles, right? Like it, it feels like at least right now that how many four-star kids are are they even battling for? When when you look at the rest of the Big Ten and look at what Rutgers is doing first year under a new coach, right? And and Purdue and Minnesota and and what they've been able to accomplish. It just it always feels like Illinois is slower to this which is fine if you end up with a great class but um it just feels like the momentum they've been battling just to start momentum in classes yeah i a part of me wonders if like the the shiny new toy effect is why rutgers is kind of getting their guys to so just just they're new it's it's interesting and it's exciting but like in year four when you have all of these relationships it should be a situation where you're starting to lock down your areas. And I still don't know if Illinois has that area. Like Florida's been really good to them, but then they completely abandoned it for one whole recruiting class. St. Louis has been good to them, but how long can they really buy into that pipe pipeline when Corey's not there every day and can't, you know, be around those guys and talking and texting them on a daily basis. It just, it just feels like, it feels like maybe Lovey Smith still doesn't understand the whole recruiting game quite yet as much as other people do. And that's, 
that's more the frustrating thing because you're in year four of this. You gotta you gotta understand it a little bit better. I don't know if it's understanding. I just don't know if he I don't know if he plays games. Right? I, I don't know if he cares about playing the game. Where momentum matters or that hey, like they need to f- like they're on guys and, and and they are, but like it it just feels like he doesn't want to play the game as much as some other people. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. PJ Fleck buys and loves the game. PJ yeah. Fleck owns the game. He this is his this is his thing. And it's not necessarily Lovey's like like and also we all know Lovey's not gonna kiss butts. That's just fair. Like we just know that's gonna happen. And I think other coaches are a little bit better with that. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna sell his program. And he's going to sell these guys, hey, you look what we did with these guys. Look at the opportunity. And that's why I think he loves the transfer market, right? I, I think he loves the, like, it's more business-like, right? Where it's not like, I got to suck up to a 17, 18-year-old. Not that I, I don't think he's got problems selling to that. But I think it's more about business and like, hey, the opportunity here, look what you can do. Look what we've done with guys. I think that gets to him more than, hey, like, we have you're a superstar, and hey, commit now, and or we're gonna go to our next guy. He's just like, hey, if you want to be here, we're we think mm-hmm. we're the best place for you. It's right. it's, it's and not I think as the much. Transfer yeah. portal can be, especially moving forward, especially if you get like, you know, immediate eligibility eventually, which I think is coming sooner rather than later. I think you can survive off of a transfer portal. I think you can get five or six guys a year because just the way that things work, you can find five or six starters, and if Bebe goes and gets drafted next year. Or maybe just gets on a roster. And Batiku, I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but just gets on a roster. Those are huge things to sell. Brandon Peters is a huge piece to sell. And I think if you can continue to build that, if you get five transfers a year and you add, you know, whatever, 13 or 14 guys, high school or prospects, you can survive off that. And if that's your plan, fine. But you can't just abandon all of high school recruiting because you got you to gotta find those guys. You got to find those four-year guys that you build up and even those five-year guys because that's how you build your product, your program for the long haul. I feel like the grad chancer is a really good fix for right now. For gives you two years, it's a good Band-Aid. And it can do great things for you, but you still need that underlying, to fix the underlying problem, you're still going to need high school recruiting. Yeah, I think you need to leave five or six spots every year for transfers. I, I think that's a yearly thing because I, I like doing that rather than reaching on some guys, which I think they've done uh, in previous recruiting classes that they're not doing now. Uh, so I really like that. I, I think there's going to be transfers all the time. We know the transfer culture and, and what the portal has done to that. Plus, it's less risk, right? You know these guys yeah. are Division One, FBS, Power 5 players. They just need an opportunity. But I'm really interested to see how they fill out the rest of that. I mean, this should be a 20-person high school class at least. Uh, and they mm-hmm. only got one so far. And Samari Collier's talked about how he's opened other schools recruiting him. So it's just like, okay, let's get this going. And I think that's what makes this spring really hard for them is – they always have these huge spring weekends, Isaac. We've seen it. They usually do get going in April and May. And now, how does Lovey Smith approach it? Because he usually wants kids to visit. He usually wants to get those commitments on those visits. I think you got to push for him now uh, for kids who have been on campus, whether it's Irving or some of these in-state offensive linemen or Keith Cooper, who I, who I love as a prospect. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for them. you got to push now and get something going in that class. And that's where getting creative here and doing something different than what you've done in before, like, because you have to because of this coronavirus, maybe that helps in the future because now Lovey Smith understands, hey, this is how I used to do things, but this is kind of how the world is trending now. Obviously, next year, we're hoping that everything can get back to normal, but maybe he can use some of that 
sense of urgency that he gets this summer, sense of ingenuity and things that they have to do differently next year in the upcoming recruiting classes. But, you know, I want to touch on that one thing you talked about, like how it's less risk for these grad transfers. Think about the guys that they've gotten late in these classes. Like, all right, that's a good example. Dylan Wyatt and Kirby Joseph. Those are guys that they got late in those recruiting classes. Those guys are not nearly as impactful as a potential grad transfer that they're going to get. Both of those guys have no, like, risks, low risk, you know, um, three-star, low three-star guys that you went and took a risk on and gave them a scholarship. They haven't, they're not going to give you nearly as much as what Batiku gave you or Bebe gave you or Sydney gave you or Derek Smith gave you or Chase Brown gave you. It's just like all of these, all of those like late ads that they did in those early classes. Lovey would probably like to have those scholarships available at some point, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right. Of course you and I went an hour, so of course we did. <laughs> I hope you're Was good, this man. A surprise? No, and we didn't talk baseball. Yeah. Uh, over under baseball being played June twentieth. I'll go so, under. Uh, I think they'll. I think they'll play before June twentieth. Okay. I think I'd go over. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful with all this reporting. I think May is way too early. June, I, I can see it happening. I, I if once South Korea plays regularly, right? Japan plays regularly. I, I'll be I'll be in on it. But man, that's complicated. But it'd be nice yeah. just to have baseball, and it'd be great for baseball, man. Like, did you see the the rule changes they're going to implement because of this? Oh, it was great. Oh, it's it gonna be great. It's gonna be great for baseball. They can implement all their pace of play stuff. They can implement the electronic strike zone. It's gonna be a quicker game. Right, no mound visits. Like they get to implement all this stuff. Um, now I'm not going to say excusing because COVID nineteen, but partly because of it. Right, so exactly. this stuff will be implemented, and boy, ESPN and you know Fox, all these places will be wanting baseball every night on their TVs, and we'll all be watching it because we need sports. I love it because there's a potential for seven inning double headers, and that's a throwback to 13U travel ball oh, baseball yeah. in Muhammad. Like that's exactly what I grew up on. And every day or every Saturday and Sunday, seven inning double headers. I would catch both games sometimes. I'm just like exhausted afterward. I can't wait to see Yadi Molina have to catch back to back seven inning double headers to understand what I went through. Yeah. I'm hoping, man. Do we get a college football season? Yes. I'm I'm more optimistic in general, you know this. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna automatically say no. I, I I think I think it's gonna come back. I really I really genuinely do just because of like the financial aspect of it. It matters so much to these schools that they're gonna find a way somehow, some way to get these games in. Yeah, I like it just I wouldn't be surprised if it's like pushed back a month, right? Or if it's spring. I, I I think they'll find a way to get like at least some games in because you said it, even with even if fans aren't in there, they need that TV revenue. They they need this revenue to to help these programs survive. Otherwise, you're going to see even at the possible Big Ten level where there's maybe a year where they can't afford to have a I don't know a soccer team or something like that and mm-hmm. send them all over well, the country. I mean, I think it's I think it's bigger than just can't afford to have a soccer team. I think you could see a women's basketball being very expendable yeah. or maybe a volleyball be very expendable. 
Like it's not one of those fringe sports. I'm, I already think those would be expendable. I think it's these bigger, like those mid-tier sports like baseball and softball could be expendable if they don't get football. I mean, we see the numbers. We know how much, I mean, this is a business. The NCAA is totally a business. It's all about the money. And you can see why college football pays the bill for everything else. And if you don't have that, then you're talking about get, you're talking about like bankrupting a lot of these universities. Like a lot of them would be struggling big time, and I think Illinois would be struggling too. Yeah, no, absolutely. When uh, when's your one on one with the Flexster? I'm not I'm not involving with myself with the Flexster. I do. No? I, did I tell you about the time I ran into him at a uh, convention I went to, and he just started talking, and he just talk, like he brought up row the boat like probably six times in the first like eight minutes at this convention that I was forced to go to, and I was done with it, and I completely bailed and could not listen to it. I could not do it. Hey, it works, man. It does work, though. I'll give him credit. <laughs> I'll give him a lot of credit. Like, I, I don't also, buy into it, Isaac. Uh, that, that's not the culture I would buy into, but it works. It totally works it for does. me. So, you know, uh, on the show, on, when I was on the Warner show with you and Austin, like, I would talk about like how like I didn't like P.J. Fleck and I really didn't like um, Richard Pitino, right? Mm-hmm. I'm growing more on Richard Pitino. He's what? actually a pretty nice guy. He's not... He's not as slimy as I thought he was. When did you meet? Did you meet him or something? What changed your mind? So, so all right. So, Zach Griffith was my roommate, right? So, Zach had a sit-down meeting with him before Illinois played Minnesota. They sat down and talked for, like, 45 minutes. Like, like Patino came up to Zach, a walk-on, who has, has no business, business playing, and they just talked for 45 minutes. So, he's telling me about that. And then I met him up here, and we talked for just, like, 10 or 15 minutes, and he was really, really relaxed, super nice, asked me how I was, like welcomed me in and all that stuff. Yeah. And then he, uh, and then I follow him on Twitter, and he's actually kind of funny on Twitter with some of his kids' stuff and everything. Yeah. So I'm kind of growing on it. See, I don't think, like, the personality doesn't bother me with Rich. Um, like, there's a little bit, he and John Gross are a similar age, and I, I feel like they have some similarities personality wise. The question with Rich is, um, is he a good coach? <laughs> like he had a oh, great. I'm not debating that at all. I'm just debating as a guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just not a fan of him as a coach. Um, the rosters he built, he's got some talent, but it, you know, outside of the last half of the year, a year and a half ago, uh, I just feel like his teams are always kind of underachieving. And it's just eight eight years now. He's been there eight years. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've kind of learned now is he does not recruit the state very well. I didn't really realize this, but they're really frustrated at him for the way he's recruited the state, especially down here. I'm in Southeast Minnesota. I, I, again, like with all the talent that I said, we had our player of the year was Nate Heisey and he put up like 32 points a game. He's going to Northern Iowa. I met Ben and Jacobson from Northern Iowa. Who's a great guy. Like he's just an outstanding guy, but Heisey didn't even hear from Minnesota. They got another kid up here named Will Cheddar who led the state in scoring average, like 35 points a game. Wisconsin and Iowa are beating down his door Minnesota hasn't gotten involved yet. So it feels like his their in-state recruiting is very similar to how Illinois fans you love his in-state recruiting. It's just yeah. like they they just can't do it. They can't get enough guys. They just can't make enough of an effort with certain guys. I mean, even even in Rochester, they had a player, um, Matthew Hurt is his name. He went to Duke, you know, All-American, started this year, like McDonald's All-American, like really good player for Duke this year. And Minnesota like totally gave up on recruiting him for like two years. Hmm. So it's like it's just like it's just I don't know if they get it. I don't know if they get in state recruiting at all. Yeah, and maybe just needs to get Fleck on the recruiting thing. Jacobson would be really? if because uh, I would imagine Patino is on the hottest seat in the Big Ten next year. Yeah. Um, 
Jacobson would be an interesting fit there. He would be a really good fit there. I don't know if he'd leave just because it feels like he has a lifetime contract mm-hmm. with UNI. He can basically guarantee that he's going to probably get to the MVC title game every year mm-hmm. and have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. But yeah, he would be a really nice fit there. I think that I think that Jacobson does a really nice job of finding guys that fit his system. And sometimes that's not really been the case with Minnesota. They just kind of bounce around and have some transfers and just try to figure things out. Like, I don't know what their system necessarily looks like. And I don't think a lot of people do. Jacobson, you know what they're looking for. They're looking for tall white boys that can shoot the three really well. And they get a lot of those dudes. Basically Wisconsin North they could be. Or Iowa North up there. Uh, All right, Isaac, I got to let you go. It's it's nice outside and I feel like I should go for a run. All right. Are are you going on your track? Are you going on your track? Did you do it yet today? I have to do that after we get off this phone call. All right, there we go. Let's both get our exercise. Good to talk with you, man. Give our best to Maddie. Hope you uh, stay healthy, stay well. I will. Thanks so much. See you later. See you, bub. Hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Isaac Trotter. For me personally, it was great catching up with him. And uh, I know it's a weird time for everybody, but especially him. Start a new job and start a new life uh, with his uh, fiance Maddie, up there. But I hope they stay well. I hope you are well. I hope your families are well. We're getting through this. Uh, We'll get through this, and hopefully we'll have sports back in our lives. But hopefully we're giving you a little taste of the sports world while more serious things are going on in the real world. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for rating, reviewing us. We appreciate when you do that. And thank you to everybody for going to our site. All the content we've been doing, we've been working to give you guys stuff to read, stuff to enjoy, some good stories, some stories that are difficult uh, as as everyone goes through some difficulties at this time. Also, keeping you up to date on what your Illini teams could look like. Appreciate you doing that. If you want to subscribe, you can. 30% off your first year of annual VIP membership, or you can get your first first month of monthly membership for just one dollar appreciate you everybody take care of yourselves we'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a mountain of zen this earth week you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.